been on the prowl for a, a nice new Metroidvania game. Uh, this is not it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just start. straight up say that. Good start, yep. Welcome to the Well Played DLC Podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am Zach Jackson, joined by James Wood. Howdy. Jordan Garcia. Hello, hello. And Mark Isaacson. Sorry, Jordan, I interrupted you. Mark, how are you? I'm Welcome. alive! I'm back! Holy Long... shit! What the fuck's been going on? I've been in hell for the last six months. What's going on? Well, I think time finally caught up with um, WA, so we're kind of, you know, <laughs> been living in the past. For so long we're still three hours behind it's like a completely different world over here mm. yeah the future's good the f- uh, oh is it oh great uh, letting you know how's the vr the day is before good? is out <laughs> yeah in the yeah, on the eastern side of the country the day before is out is it out already it is. it's real holy shit and it's got 65 on meta i can't wait until <laughs> three years from now when i finally get to play that <laughs> that's it that's it uh jordan how are you it's been a while since you've been on it has been a while uh, you know Unfortunately, my, my health's taken a little bit of a dive since I was last on, which sucks, and that I've just been sorting that out, but also been a bit of a, a writing slut and uh, been giving some articles to old mate Kotaku. Right. I thought you said slump for a second, then I realized that you <laughs> said the other word. Yeah, complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. Look, I was just channeling my inner KV because we miss him here. We do, we do, we do miss uh, the big KV. Uh, if you're wondering where Nathan is, he is actually on an assignment at the moment, so he'll be uh, back next week, most likely to share that. And Adam is just well; he's fucking somewhere doing something. I think he's at a gig, but uh, you know, Tazzy thinks was, having, having a life. I think it was Bonaventure. Yeah, I think he said Bonaventure. He's probably at Ross. Mm. Oh, he's probably at Ross. No, that makes more sense. That adds up. There's nothing doing Tazzy, mate. No one, no one to it. No one goes down there. <laughs> Apart from like Kate Sobrano or someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> we get her too anyway. sometimes. The Well Played DLC podcast would like to formally apologize to Kate Sobrano. <laughs> <laughs> Do we? No. 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 no we Kate, do. if you ever want to she join is, the show, by all means. She is a big fan of the podcast. Oh, um, is she? Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Excellent. All right. Let's get, uh, let's get stuck right in. Actually, no. One thing, speaking of music, very, 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 very exciting. It's last week at the very end of it. Uh, I talked about how Don Brocco is coming to Melbourne. I think, was that on the podcast or was that? Yep. Post yep. body. Yep. Yeah, I, I listened. Okay. Yeah. I've been listening. Yeah, cool. Uh, thank you for that confirmation there, Mark. Yep. Uh, Abbott, Abbott very listen. exciting. Amazing. So post potty, I kind of slipped James a couple of tracks and I was like, these are very blokey. I don't know if you're going to like them, but I'm very keen to get your reaction to this. One week later, and uh, he's bought a ticket to the Melbourne show. He's going to fly across <laughs> from Adelaide to come see them. That's, that's how good it is. It is a, it's a turnaround. It's a look, it is. You know, that's the power of the Brocco. It's a big adult move. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I, I think initially, I think one of the first things I said to you was like, is this a parody band? Because the first song I listened to was that Bruce Willis one. Um, but everything I've heard since then, I've been like, these guys fucking get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited for you to, to join us. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun night. We'll, um, I think so. We'll talk about that on uh, Star Wars Day when that happens. Which is yeah, even, that's how you even, celebrate May 4th, you know. That's, 
That's got to be a sign, surely. Oh, surely. Yeah. Stars aligning. That's it, mate. Hey. Uh, hey. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I think I would hear Zach talking about Star Wars Day. Well. Well, you never thought you'd see me buying a ticket to a Don Brocco show, but uh, Zach and I are enriching each other. Part of that <laughs> has to be because I never heard of Don Brocco until I get to the <laughs> podcast, but you know. I think... I think it might be renamed to Don Brocco Day now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After this. Yeah. We'll make that work. Uh, Adam's going to be listening to this and there's just going to be like a vein popping out of his forehead. Yeah. What, uh, what I'm hearing is next episode we'll have Don Brocco and Kate Sobrano on a special guest. Oh, that would be a fucking party. Be a that would be very interesting. Let's <laughs> make <laughs> so it happen. All right. Um, video games. Let's talk about those and uh, not music. Uh, though music music is a very very big part of video games, but let's talk about games overall. Hey, uh, Jordan, have you been playing anything for video games? Sorry for video games. For video have games, playing... not for video games. But... Have you been uh, playing anything at all, my good friend? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been a while, so I've been playing a lot. Uh, I dove back into Terraria, uh, and that's been a time Ooh. sink. What is it? Uh, so good. Terraria, two D Minecraft. Oh, uh, fantastic game. Yeah, it's a great game. I actually realized I haven't played since like 2015. So like there is a lot of stuff that I just haven't seen before. Uh, so that, that's been a lot of fun. I've uh, been doing grinding in Destiny to get ready for day one raid when Lightfall comes out. Uh, to like stacking all my bounties, getting all my crafted weapons done and leveled. It's been a... Yeah. What's what's <laughs> what's the appeal of day one raid? Like why? Like why not just World's first play? race? It's also the right, complete okay, okay. another insert uncertainty of it because no one's got a okay. guide up. You're just sort of yeah. winging it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense then. Yeah. It's also arguably the only time the game's difficulty is fun, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, <laughs> Uh, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV, more or less just said the story and then bounced because, man, that community, that, that exists. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, definitely glad I only subbed for one month and just bounced. Uh, uh, played a little bit of Guild Wars 2, once again, it just didn't grab me as much as it used to. Uh, what, what else is there? Uh, that, that's more or less it, really. Yeah, nice. Very exciting, Mark. How about uh, how about you? What have you been up to in the past few weeks, couple of weeks? Yeah, uh, quite a lot actually. Like, come to think of it, uh, mainly on Switch. I've been diving into a lot of stuff on that. Obviously, uh, you had Fire Emblem Engage at the start of the year, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, having gone through three houses a lot, I spent a lot of hours in that. So now Engage is probably on par with it in terms of uh, this overall really good package. Lots of good content. Uh, probably not as good a story, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been really good. Uh, and then Nintendo's like, no, 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 no. You're not playing Fire Emblem. You're playing Metroid Prime. So then I started playing Metroid Prime, uh, which I actually missed originally on, on GameCube. I didn't really have a GameCube. I uh, got into it very late. Uh, so I, I missed out on, on the Prime series. So that was my, this is my first experience with it. And it, it holds up really, really well. They've done a really good job remastering it uh and the controls are spot on although i want to try because you can change the controls to the original format i want to try that as well and see what that feels like so we'll see how that goes uh also i've been dabbling with destiny obviously I i'm nowhere near as as good as as jordan in terms of leveling things up but i love diving into that 
uh, with the DLC coming up. That's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and Overwatch 2. Uh, they dropped the, the Hanzo Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, arguably the best thing they've done in a long, long time. It's just very meme heavy. They, they really sort of dived into that meme stuff and, and did a really good job at the, uh, the uh, extra game mode uh, and the skins they've added. Um, yeah, that's been a lot of fun too, actually. I've been really enjoying it lately. I think I've finally got Lucio down back. Watching you doubled uh, in the... Sorry. Watching the Overwatch stuff has been really interesting. Like, they've been getting a lot of goodwill, and then mm. management just goes, we're going to drop a bombshell to make everyone hate us and remove all that goodwill. Yeah, I, I always feel sorry for the Overwatch team ever since Jeff Kaplan, or before Jeff Kaplan left. They've always felt like they've been yeah. their own thing. Yeah. And everyone else in, in Blizz is just fucking things up everywhere else, and it's kind of taken the shine off of them. Especially yeah, Overwatch League as well, but... Uh, They've done all right. They've done all right. Overwatch yeah. 2 is not bad. Yeah, I do definitely wish I could enjoy Overwatch 2, but I think my uh, my time enjoying Overwatch is long since passed, and you know what? That's okay by me. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm kind of curious with... Because uh, they're making uh, a lot of changes this year in terms of the esports side, so we've got Overwatch World Cup coming up soon, which I'm keen to see with the, uh, how that goes. That's going to lead into Overwatch League for Season 6 now, I think it is. Um, which they're making a lot of major changes uh, in terms of bringing contenders teams into the competition for what, for, uh, for the opening stanza. Uh, some of the teams have moved places as well, new locations, whole new jerseys. So they're really adding some uh, sort of extra, uh, hopefully extra cash because that would be nice for the players, but extra splash in terms of trying to motivate more people into that space in the game as well. So yeah, interesting time to hit. Nice. Uh, James, did I, have I told you that, mm. or what, would, if I haven't told you, would you be surprised if I said I owned a GameCube? Uh, well, hmm. There's, okay, yes. Let's just go with yes. I would I'm, be surprised. I'm going to say no, only because isn't RE4 on GameCube? Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So I, was I couldn't remember if I have told you this or not, but there's a reason why I bought the GameCube. And that's because they did the remake of RE1 and then they did RE0. Yeah. Yep. Right. I, knew, I knew it had to be RE1. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was the only way that I could play those two games was to, was to get a GameCube. So I can respect that, honestly. Um, well, there you go. I mean, I only bought a PS5 just to pay, play uh, Demon Souls. So. I bought yeah, a kid's console good. to play adult games. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Nathan's not here to appreciate that joke. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, very cool. James, how about you? What have you been? Mm. Uh, I know you've got a big game to talk about. You've probably had no time. Yeah, yeah kind of been a bit drowned in content lately. Um, but I have, I've, so I've reinstalled Destiny 2. You know, I'm, I'm getting myself slightly ready. I've decided that I want to be a Titan for uh, whatever comes next. Another which is, one. <laughs> yeah, another one. Yeah. Well, no. To be fair, to be fair, I was a um a warlock for the entirety no, of the rest of the No, warlock's good. Oh, dude, I'd yeah, say, there's it's... nothing more frustrating than when I go to like do some strikes in Destiny, and I just see a titan running around lobbing grenades everywhere because the ability cooldown is ridiculous. And I go, what's the fucking point of me having guns? 
<laughs> uh, yes. Well, look, I'll check back in. I, I'll, we'll see where I land, maybe a bit closer to, to release. Um, but I also, I've played about an hour of the next gen Witcher 3 update because uh, I finally finished the books and I'm, I've finally found a little bit of time to just finally sink into it. Uh, really enjoying it so far, but I'll probably talk about it a bit more when, when Nathan's back and I've, I've got a bit more to say, I reckon. The rest of my time has just been, <sighs> yeah. Content. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, for me, it was, I played about 20 minutes of Dredge. Uh, and then I was like, very good. But I picked a very bad time to play. It was like half past 11. I'm like, yep, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. Play a little bit of Dredge. I'm like, ooh, I could really get stuck in there. I could get lost in this. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of was like, nah, I better go to bed before I look at the time and it's like two o'clock. Um, yeah. And then very, very quickly, I've also, I played a demo of The Adventures of Brian Scott. I wrote up a little uh, piece on the website. It's basically, it's by a, a band, it's a band, it's by a dev called Radio Don Silence Broco. Studios. Oh. <laughs> it's it's by Don Brocco. And um, <laughs> it's very, very, very uh, heavily inspired by Broken Sword. So the voice actor of George Stobart, who if you've ever played Broken Sword, you'll know this guy's voice uh he's in this game he actually plays he voices brian scott uh the german actor or the sorry the german voice actor for george in the broken sword games is actually the german voice of brian scott and then the original voice of um nicole collard who's the uh george's friend from 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 the from the game uh she is voicing one of the one, one, one of the characters in this game as well, and I think there's another character, another voice uh, voice artist from, I think it's either the first or second game. Um, so there's lots of uh, inspiration there, and on, it's like a half an hour demo, probably twenty minutes if you if you're smart, if you're um, really switched on. But uh, in the corner, in, you kind of start in this in Brian Scott's ap- apartment, and you know on the wall there's like a broken sword shadow of the templars poster and when you interact on it he's like oh as well it's one of those adventure games from the 90s or something which is yeah so there lots of love for our broken sword in that game and the story is very very similar so yeah you play as a broken sword sorry you play as broken sword you play as brian scott uh who's this guy and his his father was a uh, a well-known archaeologist and he's been looking for uh, the queen of Sheba or Sheba for quite a while. I think uh, I'm getting the impression that, that he's passed away, I believe. Um, and then you're kind of not really interested in, in that sort of stuff, but then a package arrives at your door and uh, it's like a USB in a diary from someone that you don't know and you call Uncle Henry, I think it is. Uh, who, who? Sorry, he's actually the other person that is voiced by a character from Broken Sword, but... Um, and he's like, you know, your, your father was blah, 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 all this, all this sort of stuff. And it turns out it's information on this Queen Sheba person. Um, then a man knocked, knocks on your door and he's like, you've got to go find this treasure hunter who is lost in like the Middle East and basically sets you on your merry way to you know, ignite this passion for archaeology and following your father's footsteps. And that's where the demo ends. Um, it's nice. Very, uh, you know, if you like those kinds of games, I think you'll 
in especially like the broken sword kind of types because it's, it's got a very broken sword fire visual style to it um yeah I, I liked it there's a kickstarter going up next month mid-march uh so yeah but they're not looking to release until 2025 but i don't know oh, if that damn. Will, yeah i don't know if that will change with the kickstarter though so i don't know because originally it was 2024 and it's lucky i double checked the steam because in my article i was like yeah they're looking to, to launch in 2024 and then i had to cross check some 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 things and yeah it was 2025 so whether that brings that's it comes down from um the kickstarter yeah don't know but yeah, that's pretty much me. And then uh, been playing a game that James will talk about very, very soon. You mentioned uh, Dredge. I had no idea Dredge was getting a physical release as well. Mm. That looks really, really good. Slap I'm keen that pre-order that. down immediately. Is, um, yeah, <laughs> what, you got that lovely I little s- boat, didn't you, James? <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that in the Slack, I I really wanted to make a joke about WA, like the time zone, because I think that was posted like a day or so like before. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I did, I did not yeah. notice it at all. I just yeah, I completely slipped. I saw uh, EB. I was reading through fairness, EB, and I'm like, "Oh, the stretch! Oh, look at that!" In, in all fairness, Idiot. sometimes that slack just goes a mile a minute. I know, just <laughs> <know. laughs> especially yeah, when uh, Chantel. Yeah, and, oh, yeah. yeah, and she, she spent is a GTFO ways. time like five hundred yeah, times. Yeah. Side note: the sixty nine dollars for the Switch version, all the other versions are forty nine dollars. Is a bit rough. Oh, oh no, that's wait, weird. Wait. Sorry, what? The Switch, Switch version of Dredge Deluxe is 69 compared to the other formats, which are 49 each. Bloody so there you go. That's because it's printed on cartridges. That's the Switch tax Maybe. at work again. Yeah. Interesting. But I'm getting, I'll am getting. i get it on PS5, I think. I, I, yeah. As as, yeah. as you now yeah. know, because I've been in the Slack, I'm a sucker for art books. So, yeah, I'm, I'm putting mm. down for that. Join the club, mate. Me and mean you should have an art book. <laughs> off. Library. All mine are still packed up. I'm actually in the process of selling this house. Uh, long story oh, short. Shit. So I've, I haven't unpacked anything because I kind of saw it coming. Um, so they're all sort of boxed up in a bunch of different boxes. So when I get to the other place, we'll work on it then. Yeah. Did nice. you get the uh, Death Stranding art book? That's one that I, I really actually do need to get. That's a nice art book. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad I missed it. I'm, 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 there's a few that I've been eyeing off for ages now on uh, online that I'm like, I want this, I want that. But all these other fees and... Taxes and all this stuff oh, hitting yes. me. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, like not, not the time to be dropping money on that no. that stuff. Yeah, what's um? Give me your two most obscure art books, or or random art books. Most obscure art books. Uh I don't know if they're that obscure. I mean, the 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 ones by um, uh, Special Reserve Games is it Special Reserve. I think is it. Yeah. Or Secret Reserve, I can't remember. They did uh, uh, a couple. Of, they make some really, really nice art books, but they're like the smaller size art books. So obviously, I got Call to the Lamb recently, which is one of the more recent ones. Um, uh, that's been uh, a really nice sort of read, and they make a really nice sound on that. Early ones than that, I honestly don't know. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll have like, to think about what that. What you think? Yeah, like, what you think? I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine, and I'll give you. I'll do three. So I've got one from from Dark Watch, which is a PS2 release. I've got Remember Me, um, right. which you, nice. you like. You probably I like. I forgot about that. How I remember that. Get a fucking art book. Yeah. And and the third one is the Kingdom Come Deliverance book, and that one you you probably like. And eh, that's not that. That's not you know that's a relatively big game. Yeah. 
it's 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 how the art book was acquired so that book was only sold in the czech republic um <laughs> so i actually bought it from the czech republic maker of the book got it shipped sorry you, you could ship within europe you could it just didn't ship to australia got it shipped to a friend in poland who then shipped it to me here so um i think you got me big on that that's that's a, a oh, hell of an so effort. there's also the siberia right. 3 art book where there is i i bought a i bought the collector's edition because i like the statue and zach showed me a link for it it's like you know you buy it and you send me the art book I was like, all right cool <laughs> and i've yeah, never yeah. played the game yeah and then there's just plenty of yeah, last of us the order. oh yeah yeah there's the usual ones as well yeah yeah the order had an art book mate it is it did i remember seeing that the art book no. takes longer to go through than the well, actual game. He's going to grab it for, for, for people <laughs> uh, not watching the video version, it which there, like, it doesn't exist. He's going to get it. It is like leather bound. It is oh, like, shit. That's massive. That's it's a hefty sealed. boy. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Um, and still, still sealed. sealed. Well done. Yep, yep. Very good. Um, it cost... Originally, I thought I'd missed it because I missed the first run. Um, but I got the second run, like the second time it went up on sale. I think mm-hmm. on eBay, they sell for like... 800 bucks or something now um yeah not that anyone's actually going to pay you know 800 bucks for that book but <laughs> but it's like, i wonder it's, it's probably like one of the best books i've got like not that i've actually read it but it's like a leather bound like no but like just like <laughs> yeah. the look of it right like yeah yeah it looks like yeah. an expensive book yeah i have one that uh james would like i have one of the original uh dark souls design works from mm. japan yeah it's a nice book yeah, oh, I think you've, you've got me. Uh, you've got me beat on the uh, the obscurity side of things. I think I'm just way more sort of generalized. You know, Mass Last of Us. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was Assassin's Creed. That Black Fortnite Black. art book, you know. But they're good still Assassin's art books. Yeah. No, no, I was just I was hoping that maybe you'd be like, oh, I've got an art book for. Uh, be, oh. it, everyone's mind would be like, whoa, dude! I wish I wish I could blow people's minds, but I've got an art book know. for columns. I can write poetry. <laughs> Bro, that would be amazing. <laughs> Does that exist? Anyway, <laughs> let's, make move, it. let's move past our art books. Uh, let's get into the content, shall we? Let's let's talk about the reviews. <sighs> Where to begin? That's probably going to sound awful in post. Sorry, sorry Jordan. Uh, maybe Mark can start. You can start. What, now? Right now. Oh, That's shit. Start. Okay, hold on. Give yeah. me a second. <clears throat> All right. So I have, I'm out of touch. I haven't done this in a while. Okay. Uh, what am I talking about? All right. I'm joking. I'm talking. I'm talking about Kirby. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. This is the remaster, more than a remake, of a Nintendo Wii release, uh, which back then was the first time in quite a while that they had produced a traditional 2D remakes, man platform kirby i know uh What's nintendo love remake if you don't pay 125 dollars for it that's it mate. Well, it's not a real remake unless you pay full price for thank it. thank god it's only 69.95 um on switch but yeah this is uh, a very much a traditional 2d kirby obviously we had uh, kirby in the forgotten lands last year which i think was a sleeper hit i don't think enough people talked about it at the end of the year i know all the, all the other big games like god of war and that uh, and Elden Ring took over that sort of conversation, but that was such a good game. Uh, taking a, a character that that was so well established, but had like a pretty average or solid uh, 
review score over the years in terms of the games. They were never really full on creative, but they're always colorful. They're always engaging, really easy to play. Forgotten Land really took it to the next level. This goes back a little bit in terms of that. It's not quite as uh, as uh, inventive necessarily, but it's certainly a very colorful, uh, very easy to play game, and which is what Kirby is generally known for. Uh, if for some reason you don't know who the hell Kirby is, A, what the hell's wrong with you? B, essentially he's a pink puffball who, unlike Mario that needs power-ups, just eats people and takes their powers instead. Uh, that's the general gist of what Kirby is. He's got an unending appetite. Uh, I, I'm envious of that. And this particular version of the game, obviously you can play both solo and four-player co-op, uh, sees you... Uh, essentially helping a new friend who has crash landed onto Planet Popstar. Uh, and you have to uh, find all his pieces of his ship, put it all back together, and then save the day. Now, I won't spoil it too much, but essentially that guy's an ass uh, and he tricks you. Uh, but the whole idea is that you go each level one at a time. You find, uh, I think there's a, a couple hundred pieces of or gears, as they call it. Uh, which you can collect uh, like five or six per level or four or five per level. Uh, the more of those you find, the more extra levels uh, and challenge rooms as you, uh, challenge rooms you'll unlock over time. But the main items are at the end of every main world, which there are about four main ones. Uh, that will rebuild the ship. And you go on from there, there's bosses, there's usual sort of puzzle platforming. The puzzles are traditional Kirby in the sense of they're largely tied down by the power-ups that you find. Um, most of the time they're pretty obvious. You find someone who uses fire, you melt the ice, away you go. Some of them you don't realize until you've run well past the room that you were in where the power-up was. So you have to redo the level uh, and go from that. Uh, which is both clever and confusing if you're not smart enough to pick it up on. But this is Kirby, so it is pretty obvious for the most part. Uh, in terms of obviously being a Wii game brought over to Switch, they've done a really good job. Plays really well, looks fantastic, is very, very colorful, very bright, uh, energetic, lots of great music, lots of great uh, visual effects. Uh, they have added a few ele extra elements in terms of uh, what it was compared to now. So for example, uh, one of the things from the original version was there are superpowers, which are way more uh, attack heavy, way more power compared to the standard powers. It's very bright and colorful, so that moments when you're swinging a massive sword down on a whole bunch of enemies. In this version now, the enemies will fly into the screen, they'll crack the screen, so that, that sort of effect. Uh, they fly everywhere. There's a lot more vibrancy to it. There's a few more sort of visual panache to it compared to the original version. Um, other than that, the, the story still follows the same path. There's still the same general sort of concepts, uh, all the mini games that you would expect in a Kirby game are all there as well. The biggest addition is a new uh, epilogue, uh, which follows the uh, protagonist from the game who's called Magalore. In this version, they've added this uh, sequence where uh, having gone through the main campaign, he is now depowered. He doesn't have any, any of his abilities. You have to uh, essentially complete uh, numerous levels a la Kirby without Kirby's ability of copying things. To regain his abilities, you have to find uh, enough magic. 
and you put that magic into various points. It's almost like a little bit more RPG-ish than the standard sort of platforming element. It's not quite as long as the full game, but it's a nice sort of added element. It's kind of, in some respects, the same uh, feeling I got from Bowser's Fury when they added that to 3D World the other year. Um, it's a nice sort of added uh, piece of content. It doesn't really add too much more to the experience, but it's a, a fun little side story. You can play it in co-op, four-player co-op as well uh, as the main game. Uh, so it adds another maybe hour or two onto it. Overall, it's not very long. It won't take you very long to play. But as is pretty much every kind of Kirby game, this is going to make a lot of kids happy. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's going to be very, very easy for pretty much anyone to pick up and play. And that's the whole point of, of Kirby. There's added um, uh, options and so forth where you can prevent Kirby from dying entirely. Like he's almost completely invincible or you'll get extra lives and extra uh, health power-ups. Almost every level, there's a couple of them, uh, or more than a handful of them at a time. So it's going to be uh, sort of easy to pick up and play. It's also probably a good way of getting people who don't normally play platform games to actually pick up and try it. The fact that it's co-op, the fact that you're not really competing against each other to get power-ups, like uh, New Super Mario, for example, where you accidentally knock people into a pit, this one, it's less of that. It's a, a lot more uh, easygoing uh, in comparison. You can blow by bosses very quickly if you have four people playing together. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, for me as a Kirby fan, I had a lot of fun with it. I missed this originally on Wii. Uh, so it was great to, to go back and, and replay a lot of this. Uh, I'm gonna give it an 8.5, if only because it is a little too easy, even as a, a solo player, but I still had a lot of fun with it. Uh, the epilogue is a, a nice addition, but a lot of the mini games are kind of, as is kind of Kirby tradition as well, that just kind of play it once and you're done. It's not really going to bring anything into it like a Mario Party. Uh, there are some challenge rooms though, which are nice uh, extra content as well, just to give it a little bit more uh, creativity in terms of uh, adding a few extra hours of content. Um, but I don't think this is as good as uh, Forgotten Lands in terms of the full on Kirby experience, especially storytelling-wise. I thought that did a much better job bringing something new to the franchise. But this is a nice filler. Uh, I think fans who missed it originally are going to have fun with it. Uh, I think four-player co-op uh, experiences on the Switch are, are perfect, and this fits in with that quite nicely as well. So yeah, I definitely recommend it. Very nice. Uh, you can read Mark's review on the website now. Uh, cool. This is the... First Nintendo game you've reviewed for us, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, that was an experience in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think um, so like, uh, I guess, con context I guess behind Kirby is that like it's never been a massive franchise for Nintendo, right? Like that's yeah. pretty much changed on the Switch. You know, you're looking at, I think Forgotten Land did just over six million copies, which for Kirby is is a, a massive. massive number. For yeah. the franchise um do you think that them sort of going back to the well and doing it this remake maybe all those new fans that are like oh a new kerber game on switch are going to come to this and be a bit like oh um based on just the kind of freedom of forgotten land hard to say i mean i think anything that that nintendo put on switch now sells millions no matter what it is like yeah. I, I look at pikmin 4 coming up and i think a lot of people are probably going to go Ugh, but it's still probably going to sell one or two million copies that's just the nature yeah. of that console 
Exactly. Um, yeah, that that fan base is there. Yeah. yeah, but I think that the the especially in the last couple of years, when you look at things like Overcooked as well, how successful that has been, and then the subsequent number of games that have followed that concept mm-hmm. of four player co op, I think that actually suits Kirby quite well. Uh, yeah. And it has done in the past, so this might actually do better than maybe even Nintendo might uh, potentially see in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Given how uh, Forgotten Land sort of put a lot more copies of Kirby in people's hands as well. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Also, I love Kirby forever. He is great. He is great. He's also well, the most powerful video game character of all time. Just so you know. <laughs> There's no lies in that. Smash Brothers says it. He's more powerful than, than everyone in Smash Brothers. That pretty much covers all the bases. Except maybe Doom. <laughs> so... Uh... <laughs> James, you've been playing probably yeah. the biggest game that's coming out this week. Sorry, Kirby. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's so, fine. Sorry, it's Kirby. fine. I get it. Why don't you put on a Russian hat and call us again next week? You know. That's yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, James, you've been reviewing, or you sorry, you have reviewed Atomic Heart. I have which have. came uh, landed on your desk quite late. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, getting a, a you know, a quote unquote twenty hour campaign in an open world on Friday when the review is due on Monday was a bit of a daunting moment. Um mm. but like, we're we're here now. Um I you know, I, I saw credits, I saw one of the game's endings. Apparently there are multiple, but I am not gonna go back and find them because I I did not much like Atomic Heart. Um this is from uh Munfish, they're a Russian developer, I believe this is their first game. Uh, published by Focus Entertainment. Um, uh, first person shooter, open world, uh, alternate nice. history, Russia. Oh, yeah, sorry. Jump, jump in very, 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 very quickly. Something that I read last time, I actually meant to mm. send you, but um, we've obviously spoken before about the Russian aspect of, of this mm-hmm. game and the connections and whatnot. Uh, I read, oh, I can't remember where, but I read somewhere that apparently Focus Entertainment did their due diligence and mm. made sure all clarified or, you know, mm-hmm. on where the money was actually going and it wasn't actually oh, going okay. to funding the, like the war kind of yeah, thing. Right. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. So that's something nice if that is true. That's you know, Yeah, and I mean, and that's good to say. Look, I do think that generally, you know, the... The idea that just because something is made by a Russian team means that it's like Im- implicitly part of the the Russian propaganda machine, I think is there's some there's some shitty connotations there. I don't think we should necessarily judge people that quickly on this stuff. Um, I guess if you want to hit it on the top of the head at the top of the review here, um, based on what I saw in the game, I don't think this thing is a particularly propagandist uh, story. No. It, it it casts a pretty critical eye over the you know the, the foils of excess in in any society. Uh, it, it's a very generic sort of corruption world old tech story um and i don't have a a good understanding of the history around russia so like i'm I'm probably not the guy you need to get this from but just based on my very cursory understanding of it um this is there's a fair amount of criticism of the main character from the other characters in the story for believing the kind of like the state propaganda that he's he's fed um and it is a, a kind of a core part of his his arc so um you know it it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm sure there'll be much better think pieces written about it uh, over, over the next few weeks. Um, uh, just as a video game, though, I I don't know. This thing does not come together, I think, the way that it should. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give Munfish credit for this. The art direction and the, just the graphical fidelity is 
exceptional. Uh, this is a gorgeous video game. I think from the moment those launch trailers or those initial reveal trailers came out, the there's a reason everyone got as hyped as they did. And it's because like the art direction on display here is like really fantastic. You know, it's um, you know, alternate history, 1955, very like Russian iconography, the, the red and the sickle and everything. But it, it's all heightened in the way that um, Bioshock Infinite did with Columbia and Americana imagery, right? Or, or American iconography, let's say. Um, so that stuff works really well. Uh, the robots are designed pretty well. There's not a huge amount of them, but the ones that are there are creepy and kind of weird looking. Um, the There's some gender stuff going on that we'll get to in a minute with, with the robot designs as well, but that, that's another point. Um, it looks great, right? It doesn't play particularly well. Uh, so you, you've sort of got these, the stages of the main story are these discrete underground, um, uh, dungeons basically where, where you go into a facility, um, you fight a bunch of things, collect a bunch of canisters, punch them into another hole, come back up to the open world. And then you are, you know, ostensibly free to explore that open world. There's not much to do up there, really. The map is kind of a disaster to read. There's there's not a lot going on of, of the surface other than the fact that it looks incredible. So you go to the next uh, dungeon and you play out the next part of the story. Um, you know, doing those things, you get a small arsenal of guns. Uh, some of them feel really good. The shotgun especially, I think, is, is a highlight for me. Um, as you noted to me in a message you sent, like it does take up a fair bit of the screen, though, just from a player readability point of view. Um, there's a bit of a problem there. There's also some later uh, sort of energy-based weapons that are a lot of fun to use. But then you also get the other half of the weapon uh, wheel, which is just pretty weak-feeling pistols and a really over-reliance on first-person melee combat. Uh, and the melee combat is not a pleasant experience. I likened it to like a Fallout type of uh, first person, especially Fallout 76, I would say. So it, it's very floaty and you don't feel like you're getting much impact when you hit things, I would say, or not, not in a satisfying way for me anyway. Um, guns are bolstered by your magical talking glove. Uh, this is a, a glove that has like an AI embedded in it. And so it can use the polymer, uh, which is the kind of like fictional fuel of this world. Uh, and it uses that substance to give you um, the Bioshock powers. You know, you get the shock power, the telekinesis power. Uh, you can make a shield. I think that's kind of about it in terms of active abilities, though. Um, there is there's one more I'm forgetting. A, I know but a, I've got I'm using the freeze one. Freeze one. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So there's this freeze as well, um, but the rest of them are going to be more passive boosts. So like, um, you know, health bonuses for your character, uh, movement speed, that that sort of stuff there. It's a pretty small selection of skills that you can use, but I, I did find most of them to be pretty satisfying. The telekinesis especially, upgrade that thing towards the end of the game and you will just pick up an entire room of robots and slam them back into the ground in, in a very, very cool way. Um, so it, it definitely nails that part of it. Um, the... The thing that kind of really tanks Atomic Heart for me, though, is is the script and the writing. Um, this is it, it's one of the worst like AAA game scripts I've, I think I've ever seen. Um, just from a, I mentioned before there there's a lot of sexism problems, um, but even if you want to ignore that stuff, just based on the pure story alone, you've got an amnesiac war veteran who's your main character who has a you know maybe too close relationship with the charismatic scientific leader of the USSR, and he treats him like a son. What could possibly go wrong? Um, you know, it, it kind of plays out pretty much exactly the way you would expect. The first half of the game has some fun with it. Um, I would say there's a lot of quipping between you and the the glove, which again isn't particularly well written or funny, but it does feel like they are aware of the tropes that they're playing with. And the back end of the game just goes like pure straight faced. This is serious and dramatic. And like, did you know this guy had a dead wife? Shocking. You know, it's it's all just very. 
it's exactly what you'd expect from this script. Um, and then you add on top of that the sexism that I've sort of been hinting at throughout, which is this this game has a really ugly relationship to women. Um, there are the, all the, the women robots are extremely sexualized compared to the men. So the men are these kind of like, you know, pretty asexual uh, creatures that just kind of do their thing. The women, they, they dance and they kind of like, they've all got voluptuous builds and they all, they, they flirt with you a fair bit. Uh, worst of all is the weapon upgrade station that you're going to be need to using a fair bit. Every time you go and see her, she has this like, rolling arsenal of sex jokes and crude sex noises and like, oh, put your axe in me so I can make it sharp and big. And I was like, okay, look, you know what? This is dumb. Maybe this is, you know, sort of their bad attempt at humor. I can kind of forgive it and whatnot. And then things end up taking a bit of a turn where eventually, because your main character is like your stock standard, you know, uh, military shooter guy. He makes some comment eventually where he's like, oh, I'm going to punch that bitch out. And she's like, you know, I like it when you hurt me though. And we just kind of escalate from there into these mm. kind of like weird sexual violence jokes. Um, it, it's very unpleasant. The story itself does some really weird things with women in the back end. Um, there is There are two main women characters in the game. One of them is like, uh, granny, granny something or other. She's granny. you know funny old lady Zima. with a, a rocket launcher. Granny Zima, yeah, Zena, whatever. Um, she she's fine. I, I generally have no real notes on her. But the other woman that exists in the game is indicative of the wider sort of like story problems I have, which is just nonsensical arcs. Uh, I don't really fully understand why I was bouncing between certain plot points either. It's just it's all a bit of a mess. And so like outside of that really strong aesthetic, which, you know, it definitely deserves points for, um, it doesn't play particularly well. I don't feel compelled to explore its world. And I just kind of come away from it being like, ugh, this is, this is not a pleasant time. Mm. Yeah. So I've, I've been playing this as well. And yeah, that upgrade station is full on. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, lot. It's, Do you know how long it's been since I've been embarrassed about the sounds coming out of like a video game? Like it has been a good decade since I've felt gross about like, oh, I hope someone doesn't hear me playing this. Like that's a, that's not a good sign. Yeah, it was, but it just keeps going as well. Like it just yeah. doesn't. Um, and there's one line that I was like, wow. Like mm. I think it's when the station goes squirt your polymer in me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Why does this sound like they played way too much Duke Nukem Forever and said, oh, no, we could do way mm. better than that? Exactly right. And like I said in my review, you know, that there's the world in which this humor flies is 15 years old at this point. You know, like it, it is from a very particular time in game writing and game development. Um, and to see it so straightly reproduced like this, I, I find really strange because it's not as if the game even goes out of its way to kind of be like, oh, ha ha, isn't this ridiculous the way we used to do things? Or, oh, look at how, you know, when men create robots, they inevitably create sex robots. There's nothing intelligent going on there. It's just purely this robot has tits and she's going to make sex noises at you. And it's just... Yeah. Is that more a reflection of, of game development in general or just the fact that it is European? Because there is that sort of element of... Yeah no, the, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I appreciate that element of it. I think that also like the way Monfish has sort of approached the, you know, the, I think they talk about as a developer, they've got a very like global focus, right? The idea that yeah. I don't think they want to be strictly classified as a Russian developer. They've got, you know, offices everywhere and people working everywhere. And they're obviously aware of the cultural zeitgeist around the world. And so I don't really give this game the same credit of like a Eurojank situation, um, which, you know, in and of itself, I find to be something that it, it's an odd thing that we just like, oh, it's fine because it came out of a certain sort of like culture in, in the world or whatever. Um, I think there's there's oh, there's foils in that logic. Um, but yeah, not not great. Mm. 
I think, yeah, to like kind of touch on the combat, yeah, like the shotgun definitely takes up too much room. Like there, there are moments where they can't, like these robots are coming at you and you kind of go to shoot it. It's quite slow to raise sometimes as well and then mm-hmm. it takes up like a lot of the screen. I, I did feel the combat was quite sluggish, uh, like yep. the axe as well. Like you can kind of... yeah. Yeah, like it feels like how heavy is this is this axe and that's it. And like everything in the world is moving with such fluidity and speed. Like especially the boss fights, like those things will whip around that screen and mm. you move with like almost semi-realistic physics and like there's a weird clash in in those two things happening together because I feel like this should play with the speed of like a doom or something, you know? Like if you want to make your action game with fast-paced robots, let me be fast-paced in response to those robots. Uh, I thought I thought the movement speed was relatively quickly, but yeah, like the combat is just doesn't yeah doesn't transition yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also found the this is going to be quite common, but I, I I really noticed it here is that the the main robot enemies was it was quite repetitive, like the way mm-hmm. they attacked you. So you could easily kind of there was no real like surprise. It was like once you no, kind yeah. of step back a little bit, like you know that they're going to run at you, try and drop mm-hmm. kick you, so you step back. I know you use like your like your freeze like in my opinion, axe mm-hmm. them a couple of times and they're gone. It, it kind of took that threat away kind of thing. Yeah, um, there isn't much escalation. Like you're going to be fighting those same enemies pretty much from the first few hours until the last few hours. Um, yeah, they might get a bit more health, but. And the other thing is, I I found the missions just a bit bloody boring. Like mm. it's just a yeah, fetch quest after fetch quest and. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one line I think in your review, James. I can't remember the exact line, but uh, he's always the main protagonist, P three or um, mm. uh, Major Netch. Mm, I can't, but P three. Yeah, but not to be confused with uh, Phil Spencer. But um, <laughs> he always goes like, "Oh, this shit." Uh, Oh yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like the very first mission, right? Is is I think one of the more involved ones as well. But you essentially get tasked with uh, to open the exit to the the dungeon that you've been in. You have to collect four distinct canisters from four different areas of this facility that you've been trapped in. Um, and then halfway through, he'll be walking around with his glove like another fucking canister. I can't believe it. And the glove will be like, yeah, but it's what we got to do, sir. And just. It's like I said with my high on life review, right? Where it's like just because you're making fun of that trope, it's still you're still making me play that game though. Like that's not that's not funny to me as as a player. It might be a good haha review, like sort of moment for the, the developer, but it's doesn't translate for the player. Yeah, he does. Uh, there's just quite things where he's like, you know, just this shit. I'm sick of this shit. Like, mm-hmm. how much of this shit we got to do? Um, yeah, yeah, I just found. Yeah, I just find it a little bit boring. Um, yeah, because it's yeah. like you you, you do one thing where you've got to like suck the balls through this yeah. like air vent thing. And then it's, so you do that. It's like, Oh, the, um, ovens, whatever the fuck they are, the boilers mm-hmm. need, like need to cool down. So it's like, go do this. Oh, then you got to mm-hmm. unlock the door. So you need four canisters. Yeah. Just, Oh, you need a key somewhere. Um, well, that's the other thing, actually, I don't even, I forgot to mention this, but like this game is also just like shockingly optimized on PlayStation five. Like I had several hard crashes. I had some save file corruptions. I had my first ever console overheating warning playing this game, which, you know, I like I have that, never had yeah. it happen before. It's a very clean console as well. I will say I was shocked when that came up. Um, it's, 
it's really bad. There, there was a certain point as well where, you know, I had to get flight onto the rooftop, pick up a key and then use it in the building below. Uh, I got up there, grabbed the key, got shot down and died. Cool. That's fine. I'll go back and get the key, right? Key's gone. It's just, it's just gone. I had to reload <laughs> 20 minutes prior. So I wouldn't be in the instance of that building. It's just, it's bad. Mm. Yeah. There's, I thought she, I found the checkpoint a little bit odd in this mm. game. Um, Save points are pretty generous. Like the save rooms are, are quite... Yeah, because they're a manual save points. Um, but the yeah. actual automated checkpoints I found quite weird. Like there was one moment in the early game that um, I was still kind of learning like how to sort of play... Uh, sorry, how to do the combat. And I was uh, one of the like a higher kind of level robot kind of came at me, like killed me. And obviously I'd kind of been fucking around getting keys or whatever like Mm -hmm. whatever it was i was getting and now took me like right back i was like fuck i have to do this all over again um the auto save especially when you go up into the open world as well and you have to because you you can catch the train i think between certain landmarks but there's also cars that you can drive around as well the cars don't have much um like durability though so that's going to be a a problem you run into Mm -hmm. um but I, i did find that you know, I had one point where I ran into a bug where I just couldn't progress past a certain gate in the world. Like every time I would try, it would crash. And so I was like, okay, well, let me roll back to like the, the previous autosave. It was 40 minutes ago. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that makes me, like I was having, I, I thought about this like while I was playing. I was like, we're very much reliant on these auto mm. autosave systems now. Like, you know, games... Because, you know, I'm kind of playing Broken Sword 2 and that mm. when I get a chance and they have, like, no checkpointing. And there are often times right. where I forget, like, you know, I haven't played them for a, a little bit, a, a bit, so I come back and I forget kind of what I'm getting, like, like, like what I'm going up to. And, you know, there, there are times that you can die in those games and mm. if you haven't saved, like, you haven't saved, you know, like, like the old RE games where you would only be able to mm. save on certain kind of points and if you're... Uh, you know, took the risk and it didn't pay off. You could lose hours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. But James, what did you what did you score it? Uh, landed on a, a five point five. Um, this was I, I, I sort of dabbled with a six or a five at times. I and I. It's it's not just that it's a boring video game. It's that I, I think it's quite ugly at times with with what it's saying about some things. Um, and surprisingly, not the Russian stuff. You know, like I, I would never have expected that the problem with Atomic Hearts' writing was going to be sexism, but here we are. Yeah, I think I'd probably land in a very similar spot. Um, mm. I think because I played a lot less than you, maybe I'm mm. probably seeing it like a six. But yeah, yeah I'm losing interest quickly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of curious about it because it has been a little while since we've had, or we haven't had that many at least, narrative driven first person shooters. Mm. That seems Mm -hmm. to have sort of gone the way of the dodo and outside of multiplayer stuff. So I was curious about it. But yeah, now you've kind of. Put me off. Yeah, I mean, look, there are a lot of reviews out there giving this like a, a nine and an eight. So like, there are some people that it is working for, and like, if, if it works for you, that that's great. I would never take that away. Yeah, um, I just you, like you, you know, sort of how my tastes are, especially on the, on this podcast. I've never been shy about where my critical thoughts lie. So, um, if, if you're anything like me, avoid. But the you know, there's stuff in here that you could enjoy. Yeah, for sure. It's on Game Pass as well. Am I right? Correct. It is. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is a blessing. 
It could be. Yeah. Um, yes. I've also heard the Xbox version doesn't have anywhere near as many bugs as uh, as the PlayStation, so that might be something worth uh, noting as well. Yeah. Cool. All right, James's reviews up on the site. You can check that out uh, now. Jordan, are you are you back? Are you back and ready? His mic is muted, so I'm going to take that as a no. Jordan will just will discuss his review when he is back. But I guess while Jordan is is away, uh, let's talk about the Xbox Nintendo partnership news that, that kind of broke a bit earlier tonight. Mm. Now I can't. Am I sorry? I closed my Twitter before. Here we go. Um. Fuck. Who was it by Brad? Was it by Brad? Someone. <laughs> Brad, someone, yeah. Hold on. Searching Brad Smith. Brad, Brad Smith. Smith. Uh, Vice Chair and President of Microsoft's co-author of Tools and Weapons, whatever that is. Ah, uh, it's my favorite book. So Brad oh, Smith okay, tweeted that. out that uh, we've now signed a binding, binding, ten-year contract to bring Xbox games to Nintendo's gamers. This is just part of our commitment to bring Xbox games and Activision titles like Call of Duty to more players on more platforms. And then the um, little picture that's sort of attached says that Microsoft and Nintendo have now negotiated and signed a binding 10-year legal agreement to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo players the same day as Xbox with full feature and content parity so they can experience Call of Duty just as Xbox and PlayStation gamers enjoy Call of Duty. We are committed to providing long-term equal access to Call of Duty to other gaming platforms, bringing more choice to more players and more competition to the gaming market. Mm. At this feels point, at this point, like it's PR like... Stunt. I know, yeah, it definitely <laughs> is. It feels yeah. like um, if this deal ever goes through, it's, it's, it's arguably just for Call of Duty at this point. None of the other yeah. IP, no one ever cares, and not even Sony care about anything else other than Call of Duty. Maybe we well, should think, just um, not have Call of Duty and buy everything else and sell Call of Duty on its own. Is it that does, a does seem that way. My understanding is that uh, I think the real cash cow that Activision is like quietly churning in the background is the um, the mobile market. Um, like I think Microsoft needs an in on on that front. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember who Activision owns, but I know they're producing like the bulk of Activision's money. Um, uh, Candy so, Crush, isn't it? Is it the team that does Candy Crush? That sounds oh, right. This is Zynga. Isn't it? Zing, yeah, them? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, look, them offering up Call of Duty as, like, a sort of a look how cool we are and how nice we are, um, you know, I think it makes sense from an optics point of view, from a, you know, sort of a, a power bargaining moment for them. I think it's really weird that they're, uh, you know, oh, we've, we've signed a legal deal before we own the property um, is the part that I find very, like, oh, that's strange. Um you know, it's, it's Xbox being Xbox. It's Microsoft being Microsoft. Like they, they have the pockets to do this kind of thing. And, you know, it's going to play the way it's going to play, I think, with with audiences. Um, but as we like to remind everybody, like Xbox is not your friend. Um, this is this is not for you. This is this is for them. Uh, just for clarification, it's King. Uh, owned by That's Activision it. Zynga, Zynga's owned by Take-Two Interactive. There you go. All right. Okay. There you go. There you go. Don't know about mobile uh, studios. But uh, yeah, no, I think, um, well, this is like, like they clearly 
trying any sort of thing that they can to push this deal through. Yeah. Because mm. uh, there seems to be a lot of resistance, mainly in like the EU, I think. I don't think we've heard much from the US on this. No, I think they made their initial it. stink about it, but I haven't heard anything since. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty much the EU or like the UK one. I think it might have been. The, mm. And then they were like, nah. If like it is the EU, that's not altogether too surprising considering how PlayStation are the vast majority uh, of console owners or console manufacturers in Europe compared to the mm. US. So it's not mm. all that surprising in that sense. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think... I don't know what I think. Well, I do know what I think. I think Xbox would be mad to, to not bring Call of Duty to PlayStation, but you just... You know, forever. But as I mm. guess, PlayStation don't want that game to be owned by their biggest rival, kind of thing. If yeah. if Call of Duty wasn't the biggest IP in video games, this deal would have been done over a year ago. It's mm. yeah. Well, it's like the Bethesda kind of deal, really, isn't it? Um, mm. like, like like to me, that is still wild that that deal was. Um, well, I was like eight, no, it was like 12 billion or 8 billion. I can't remember now how much it was. And then the whole, this like, basically this Call of Duty deal is fucking heaps, 70 billion. Yeah. I mean, there's also the fact that like, is there a Call of Duty market on Switch? I was going like, to say, what is, who's, yeah, who's what is actually playing a Call of Duty on Nintendo Switch? <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's not as if like they're saying like oh we'll be bringing Activision content to the Switch. Yeah. It's it's Call of Duty. Yeah. Um. And that's such a if that's a bit of a nothing thing for that console because like I just don't. I think it was um uh what was that? What's the EA's uh free to play shooter that people like? Um, Apex. Yeah, maybe. I want to say it's Apex. Like on on Switch is one of those things where it's like it has like a small community. Like they they're not big properties on the switch it's not a console sort of like geared towards this as a target audience um and so i look at something like this and it's a it's lip service to it to a deal it's like oh well look at what we're doing look at what we're sharing it's like yeah but you're not sharing anything of value here really it's very interesting the wording of the image that's in the tweet and then the, that guy's tweet itself because he very mm. clearly writes uh this is a binding 10-year contract to bring xbox games to Nintendo gamers, right? Mm. And this is part of our commitment to bring Xbox games and Activision titles like Call of Duty. doesn't just mm. say, you know, to, to bring Call of Duty to more platforms. Yeah. But then in the actual picture that is linked, um, it purely just mentions Call, Call of Duty. So, mm -hmm. like, which one is it kind of thing? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Do you reckon the deal will go through? I think we've asked this before, but I can't remember what, what you I said. I think it will. At this point, I think Microsoft need to maybe reconsider because this is going to drag on for way too long and it's kind of taken away from the most important part, which is having games on their platform. Um, mm. I don't know what kind of impact this is going to have on Game Pass specifically, but we have had some interesting news on Game Pass recently as well. Uh, that's kind of sort of put a little haziness over that product too so they, they certainly need a, a win soon whether that's redfall or, or or whatever it might be from bethesda that could help but they, they need to either have this done and dusted as soon as possible or they need to reconsider it 
or just mm. buy Blizzard and just say, get the hell out of here, Activision, we just want Blizzard. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they're in there. Was it, uh, is it Blizzard that have been, the, or is it Activision that are the return to work fucking thing? Return to Act- the office. Division, I'm Act- pretty division. sure. Activision Blizzard. Yeah. Was, yeah. Mm. Which is what, a, what a tone well. deaf concept. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not great. And there's Nintendo, on the other hand, giving uh, bonuses to all their employees to help because. Mm. And they've yeah, done that before as yeah. well. Uh, WADA mm. and the, the team years ago took pay cuts so they can play extra to their employees to keep them happy. Like, why aren't more studios doing that? Yeah. Mm. And uh, Sega's given, or Sega is giving everybody a, uh, a raise, I think I saw. Just a, a small side note as well about this Microsoft uh, announcement. Um, so apparently they are meeting with EU regulators today. Um, massive meeting that's going to be Phil Spencer, Jim Ryan, Bobby Kotick, uh, NVIDIA, Google, EA, Valve reps as well. So obviously something's going down today. Um, it'll be an interesting one. So by the time you listen to this podcast, it's probably done and dusted. Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> so all we've just been talking about swimming up. <laughs> Hot topic news. <laughs> Jim Ryan and Phil Spencer get along. Oh, who the fuck knows? Um, I I think that it's just dick measuring at this point. Um, I will say when Bobby Kotick was on that TV show in America the other day or the other week, that morning show, that guy, man, he looks like a a devil. Like he's possessed. He is. That's why people Photoshop devil horns onto him. I know, right? It's so easy. (laughs) His eyes look black and he looks possessed, man. He probably hasn't I, slept in months. He's so oh, he's too busy. Or sleeps on a fucking bed of money. He's too play too busy playing Call of Duty. Among other things. Photoshopping allegedly. Too busy people complain that people photoshopping devil horns on you makes his dating life hard. Oh, <laughs> he did so, didn't he? Yep. What a fucking loser. Anyway. Um let's move Jordan, you're back. Let's let let's talk about your games very, very quickly. Um, yeah, I started off with uh, Eldorand. Uh, been on the prowl for uh, a nice new Metroidvania game. Uh, this is not it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just start. straight up say that. Yeah. It, it just it's it's okay, but it's a game that feels very much like it played Castlevania once and goes, "I want to do that," and doesn't understand how the the genre has progressed since Castlevania. Stuff like really stiff movement, um, really arbitrary balance. Uh, you know, even little things like you can't move while you attack. So you just sit there whacking, but things don't get knocked back. So they just charge into you and you go, what the fuck? Mm. Uh, it's just, you know, in in the immediate part of the game, I just, I wasn't enjoying it. And the story of you're in a ruined city, you know, and there's a, a cult led by this one dude called Surthus. And it's just, it's not interesting enough to, you know, go like, oh, I can forgive the okay design it's just it's very middling at best um but it's it's not all bad the actual level design of it is good um as most like metroidvanias especially around that time were because a metroidvania lives and dies by its level design if it's bad level design it's a bad metroidvania there's nothing you can do to fix it um so you know there's that to go with it the the extra movement abilities that the genre is known for are here you grapple, you double jump, you got your dash, stuff like that. 
uh, that's all used pretty well. Uh, and, you know, as you unlock more of those, the gameplay becomes a little less grating and a little less stiff. So the fluidity starts to come into it, which was nice. Still not enough to make it any better than a six. Like, it's just textbook good and nothing more. Um, uh, yeah, I just... I, I was disappointed, man. I, I wanted a good Metroidvania. The, the, there is also uh, just a basic stat system, which sounds cool, but the problem with putting a stat system in a game like this is to force progression, you end up making really tanky enemies that take forever to kill, like 15-plus hits to kill an, an enemy. And it just it ends up encouraging needless grinding, which is just not enjoyable. So you're just sitting there killing the one enemy that is easy to kill and gets you a decent amount of experience. Um, but the stats are good in the sense that you know you can kind of build yourself to play how you want. You have your your magic, your range like bows, or you can throw axes and knives, or you can just go straight up, you know, sword and board kind of dude. Uh, it's just yeah, very basic, very okay. Uh, wouldn't really recommend unless you're that starved for uh, Metroidvania. Cool. Nice. Um, that that review is up now. You can check that out. But you've also been dabbling with uh, Returnal on PC. I have. The, the world's worst kept secret of Returnal coming to PC. <laughs> I reported on it like three or four times. Um, yep. Uh Sweet side note, you know, playing this and Wild Hearts at the same time, very different experiences, going super polished, runs really nicely on a Returnal to, man, I'd love to play at 30 frames at some point in Wild Hearts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Returnal, one of the, I'll probably say the best Sony port to, to PC. Um, it also just helps that Returnal is such a good fit for PC. Mouse and keyboard just suits any kind of shooter so well. Um, you know, and they've got the typical niceties of an FOV slider, you know, a different aspect ratio from 16 by 9 to 32 by 9 if you have one of those really, really wide ultra wide monitors, the uh, super, super ultra wide or whatever. Um, you know, all different resolutions from like 720p for, for some reason if you're playing at that. Um, to 4K, 8K, if you have a 4090 and like playing at 20 frames. Uh, and then the, the graphics scale really well. So I played it on my dusty old uh, original PC. So it's about almost six years old at this point. I managed to keep a stable uh, 60 most of the time with the high settings. Um, and it's where I learned that their spec sheet is full of shit. The game does not need 32 gigs of RAM. Even when it says you need 16, it was using four. And it's like, Damn. huh, okay, that's not using much RAM at all. Uh, obviously, I don't really have the capabilities to truly test the super high-end stuff. I'll probably get that sorted. But I don't think you need 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, but, you know, otherwise, really well-optimized port. And it suits PC so well. Um, and it also comes with all the updates that uh, the game had over time. So it has the the Tower of Sisyphus, it has the co-op, it has the suspending a cycle so you can like save and come back later, stuff like that. It's just, I'd honestly just call it the best version of Returnal. And it also supports 
the, the haptics of the DualSense if the controller is plugged in. I didn't really do that because I play mouse and keyboard like a you know normal PC player, but like uh, the latest. <laughs> well, it's that, and you know my PS Five controller is like half functioning, so. <laughs> but yeah, no, very very good PC port. Uh, I, I would I would happily call it their their best PC port. Cool. All right, yeah, you'll have a piece up on the website for that one soon if you want to read more on that right, let's go to the news we'll power through some uh, of the the boring headlines um <laughs> well, not boring, some might say boring. a bit of editorializing <laughs> yeah uh stuff that we won't really sort of discuss is more what i meant um this one's actually not boring this one's very cool but i'll start with this one because it's probably not something we can really discuss but the australian indie ho- horror game Dark Web Streamer, which we're all big fans of here and all rooting for. That's launched a Patreon to expand the team and kind of fund the development of that. That's uh, very, very cool. So if you if you do like the look of that game and you do want to throw a few bucks their way, the there's an article that James has put up on the website. Uh, links will be in there. Uh, quick fire ones. Diablo 4 beta periods have been unveiled. Uh and that is going to be on March 25th to the 27th, but the early access for that is the 18th to the 20th. Um, trying to see what how you actually get it. So you, if you pre-order, so if, if you pre-order, you get uh, early access to the to the beta there. Uh, AEW Fight Forever gets a new gameplay trailer, but doesn't still sorry, but still doesn't have a release date. Due to ratings issues, so um, what's his name? Sorry, Kenny. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny Omega sort of went, went into detail about that, uh, and he says that uh, the game originally featured, sorry, far more blood and gore, but in order to appease the ratings board, Ukes was forced to scale it back. Yeah, if you've um, watched any AEW, uh, they don't hold back on the blood at all. So um, apparently, that's that. That's the reason why the game is. So it doesn't have a release date. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, it's been it's come out that it was uh, that it was very successful. Or sorry, that it was successful enough to um, that future titles will have a bigger budget. So uh, great news. This was posted on a well. This, this this comes from a Twitter channel called sorry tw- Twitter page called Tales Channel. Um, as it says, in a QA and a with investors, Seagate is confident with Sonic Frontier's sales scheme, following a strong financial performance and a good reception with fans. They believe it will continue to sell in the long term based on strategies like pricing, promotions, and free DLC. Um, so that's quite cool. It's it's probably been the most successful Sonic game for quite a while now, would you think? Outside of maybe Sonic Mania? Um, At least in the 3D space, because they haven't had that much of a good track record lately. Yeah. I also think it just it achieved a level of like zeitgeist, right? Like yeah. people were talking about that game. It's it's good to see. It felt fresh enough for that IP. Yeah. Do you reckon mm-hmm. the movie helped? Because the movie like people quite liked the movie, didn't they? Uh, the movies I have think done so. well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Hmm. 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 Good for Sonic. Yeah. Good for why not? Sonic. Give him a Speaking win. He deserves a win. Yeah. Speaking of 
No, that's not no, that won't work at all. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but Big Ant's AFL game is titled AFL Twenty Three, and well, I I did uh, write originally the original headline was that it is coming to all consoles and PC. So the listing that was um, on the government website, the classifications board, that actually does list uh, PC, PS4, Switch, Xbox, and PS5. There was no listing for Series X, which I was like, hmm, that's weird. I did a bit of searching, and a lot of the games I looked at, actually they had a separate Xbox Series X, like um, a rating. Category? Um, oh, okay. So it was like, so all, yeah, but it was, it was weird. But anyway, uh, Ross... Simons or Simmons, he uh, tweeted um, back to one of the t- tweets about it and basically said that uh, all the inf- information is correct. It is coming to series. I think there will be a series XNS version, but it is not coming to Switch. Basically, uh, the Switch can't handle um, anything. The Switch yeah. hardware just can't can't handle that experience. Oh, that's full of it. COD's or, coming to the Switch. I know. Right. Apparently. Uh, so it could not be delivered with a reasonable user experience on that platform, which I guess mm. bummer for all the uh, AFL Switch Switch fans. All two of them. Switch. More people need to talk to the devs behind Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to figure out how they put that game on there. Well, but wasn't that game only on Switch? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm talking about like also... how to properly optimize on a Switch console. Yeah, but they also went through two titles on there that weren't very well optimized in Xenoblade True. Chronicles 2 and Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. Definitive Edition. They sort of learned from their mistakes. I still remember playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and that dynamic resolution with a memory leak issue just made the game get blurrier and blurrier and blurrier as you played. It was incredible. Blurriness for an AFL game would be funny. Um, yes. Agreed. I think. I don't know. What am I agreeing to? I don't know. Um, segway segway yeah segway uh so there's a new studio called wildlight entertainment this is a new studio founded by former titanfall and apex legends devs the head honcho of this developer is chad grinier i think is, is how you say that I'm not sure if he's related to uh adrian there from uh, entourage but maybe but he um <laughs> was the creative director on apex legends uh, I'm kind of ex- that game. yeah. I'm kind of excited by this because if if anything, they're going to be making another first person shooter, which they've confirmed. But and if it's anything like what they've worked on previously, but if you if you have a look at the the people that have left that sorry the people that are uh, part of this new outfit, it is crazy the amount of people pretty, who worked on Apex stacked. Legends. Yeah. So this guy like must be kind of like bloody the old Jesus Christ, mate. Everyone everyone wanted to. <laughs> just follow him to this new new studio and there's like former devs that worked on like the last was part two and uh, i think there's some santa sony santa monica pe- like people in there as well so it's um it's pretty stacked yeah. they um it, they do confirm that they are working on a new ip but it will be a while before they show kind of anything off um so there you go very exciting mark excited Always nice to see a new independent studio pop up. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually do say that, uh, I think I used the quote from it. Maybe I didn't. No, I did. Yeah. Uh, So their website says that uh, it is a fully funded entertainment studio, hyper-focused on creating big, bold, original gaming universes of epic quality and scale. Um, It's more the fully funded part that um, 
is exciting. Uh, I always wonder how like new studios pop up and like they just kind of fund mm. everything without, yeah, like. A lot of talking behind like, people's backs. Yeah, you go to an investor, you say, hey, I've got the people that made Apex Legends. Yeah. Like, here's our pitch. A lot uh, of I've got the people that made Anthem. <laughs> okay, don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah, probably not. Uh, February. Oh, sorry. Was there going to be a question? Nope. Uh, February's 20. Fucking hell. My English is terrible. Do you want me to read it? No, no. I've, I've, <laughs> uh, I've got it. It, he has yeah. to learn somehow. In my head, I was like, February is already fin- almost finished though. That's why I kind of was like confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so February 2023 is PlayStation Plus Extra and Deluxe Catalog update is being revealed. So um, games are being added to the catalog in February, which is going to be on February 21, I believe. There's a few there. We, we, we're getting probably the big call-outs are Horizon Forbidden West, The Quarry, RE7, and I think that's probably been out for a while now, Outriders, 8.5 shout-outs, <laughs> and <laughs> The Forgotten City, which we gave a big, fat, juicy 10 to. That's the yeah. Aussie-made game. Um, Tekken 7 is a pretty good shout, too. Tekken 7, yeah, Tekken 7 in there. Borderlands 3, mm. Scarlet Nexus, Ace Combat oh, 7. Uh, I was about to say they have so many good names in this list, and then they ruin it with Borderlands Three. <laughs> uh, Some people um, like it. Also, little shout out to a uh, old old friend of the show, KV's reporting. Uh, so the Legend of Dragoon, Legend of Dragoon, and Wild Arms Two are coming to the PlayStation Classic thing, and they've given them like full trophy lists with platinums. Uh, nice. That's that's really cool. I've heard good things nice. about Legend of Dragoon, actually. Yeah. Mm, same. I do like this. Um. This PlayStation Legends, sorry, this PlayStation, the classic mix uh, list here. We've got, yeah, there's two games that you mentioned. Then Harvest Moon. What did you mm-hmm. say? Ha- Harvest Moon. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. No. Um, three PS1 games. Then you got Destroy All Humans PS4. <laughs> so I'm like, is that a classic? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, the, yeah, the recent remake. Yeah, but. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Put, I, yeah, it's a weird, uh, weird way put, they promote that. Because they know? put The Last of Us Part 1 or the, the Last of Us remaster in that classic section as well. And I yeah. always find it very jarring. Yeah. Right. Um, very good marketing, though, having Horizon Forbidden West, which is roughly a year after mm. coming out, just ahead of uh, Call of the Wild with VR coming out this week as well. Call of mm. the Mountain, you mean? Call of the Mountain, sorry. No. Call Something's calling. Call of the something. Call of Quarries, yeah. Call of the Bathroom. Um, two last bits of news here. Unless there's anything that you've spotted, we haven't included. But there's a Tetris movie which has a trailer which is stars. Oh my god! I want to say his name is Tarragon, but I can never remember what his actual name is. <laughs> yeah, that Taran sounds right. Edgerton, I think that's how you pronounce there it. There you go. I could be wrong. Okay. This no, blew me out of the it. water, by the way. This trailer, I was not expecting this at all. Have this looks really good. Yet, so it looks really good. It's like um. Do you know the Weird Al Yankovic biopic that came out recently, like last year or something? I know of it, but again, haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, it's very sort of hyper-realized uh, take on on uh, actual events. This looks almost mm-hmm. the same sort of thing, but it's actually more realistic than you think in terms of if you go back and read the history of how they got the IP rights to Tetris, it's pretty wild. So I'm very curious to see how this turns out. 
Mm. I wonder um, now with a Tetris film if they're going to be making a Columns film. Oh, don't. Uh, and they'll oh, come with an oh artwork. No. Uh, uh, Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. That should be the next Sonic movie. The, How about that? The story of Columns is actually quite <laughs> interesting. So... <laughs> No, like, you, you, you did mention this I last time you. it was brought up on the podcast. I know, and it was like it's like, a, and the dude didn't, didn't even care. Like the creator didn't really even care that much. I can <laughs> I can respect just not giving a fuck. <laughs> um, all right, last bit of news we'll talk about very very quickly. So fantastic again. They uh, released another video. This time it was like um, I can't remember what it's called. But it was like the history of like the day before, the, the, basically the journey so, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it showed showed off the day before and how they've taken it from where it was in 2019 to kind of where it is now. And um, it started off as this, I don't want to say rough looking game, but obviously it's way less um, stylized, realistic probably or whatever. Mm, more stylized, uh, less, yeah. Because yeah, it was um, before the Unreal Engine 5 jump. Yeah. Um, so it kind of looks a bit like, uh, almost like you know, you're playing Siphon Filter. But with mm. a that's been remastered, like you know, like that that sort of old school PS one PS two kind of visuals in the snow, uh, then they they kind of jumps around between the you know the years and what they've done and yeah, um, mm. I think there was a tiny few snippets of some other things, some new stuff. I think maybe like some the character creator screen. I think we've, we've uh, seen the character creator, but it's oh, like okay. the, it's yeah. the um. Like like the traits and stuff, which we which we have seen before, but it's like I think they showed like a lot more. I think, mm. um, but yeah, like it didn't didn't really show much else. Um, yeah, what I find funny about that video is that like they spend the first half of it showing you that footage of the older build, uh, while she's talking about like oh, and then we decided to like challenge ourselves and remake the game in a in a fun new engine and make it look beautiful and stuff, and they show you footage of the new game, which everyone thinks doesn't exist because that footage looks so odd. And then, like, seeing them side by side, I was like, it, you had a game right there. Yeah. Like, I, a game I would have played. Um, and, and now you've got whatever this new messaging mess is. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. They, um, yeah, they're an odd, uh, odd team. Odd team is fantastic. All right, cool. Let's mm. move into the off topics. Um, can, I, can I do a quick shout out? Just a quick, quick shout out. It, this kind of went under the radar, but Lies of P got a release date as well a couple of days ago. Oh, did it? Uh, yes, it did. It got yeah. a window though, didn't it? it got a window August. of August, August 2023. Yeah. So there you go. Yes. Shout out to I'm that very, I'm looking forward to that. I'm very keen for this. I've been needing a potentially average Souls-like to play. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I need, I need another seven Souls-like. I need another Pinocchio story. We haven't got enough of them. That's true. That that is that should probably be the headline here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just remember reading uh, *Thymesia* and uh, mm. and *Still Rising*. Going, man, I wish I played this, but I'm also glad I didn't. Ah, oh, no, *Still Rising* is <laughs> great. I, I I stand by that game being a, a good time. It's it's been mm. on my radar now. *Still Rising*. I kind of want to try yeah. it, but we'll see. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, off you go. Mm. Off topics. <laughs> so let's um. Yeah, like where do you want to start? Who's done watched anything? Uh, I I did watch the uh, Ant Man movie that came out the other day. That I think a lot of people don't realize has actually come out. That they didn't really market <laughs> it that well, did they? It's just like here yeah. it is. Oh what? Um, How do you find it? Because I've heard yeah some the feedback and the reviews have been 
pretty pool for it, but I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's absolutely a 99% film in front of a green screen. That's pretty much <laughs> obvious. Um, That's why it was uh, mass maligned. It needs to be 100%. Needs to be 100. Yeah. They need to just go, go full all the on. way or don't do it at all. Full on, yeah. Just <laughs> do James it. Just gets committed. It. Do Avatar uh, again? <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was uh, it was kind of absurd and and silly, but what I appreciated for it was it was kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, where it felt very unique. Like all the the new uh, monsters they had in it and the character designs were really creative. Um, the bad guy is uh spoilers came the conqueror uh very very cool uh i don't know what they're going to do with him in the future if they are going to be uh going beyond that i won't spoil that part because there's some few a few sort of hints as to where they're going to go next but uh uh fantastic acting in that role uh, uh but yeah i had a lot of fun with it it was just nice. generally sort of cool yeah uh, I've watched nothing else, so I have nothing to share with you. I mean, so in off time, I've watched most of Andor. Ooh. Uh, I very much enjoyed it as pretty much the only Star Wars media I've more or less enjoyed since Disney took over. Save for maybe The Last Jedi, because it was the only hey. of the three that did something. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, there you go. I'm good. I'm good. Um, But yeah, I haven't finished it. Uh, I do need to finish it. I think I'm like I'm up. I'm up to episode nine, so it's not not too much long to go. But I really enjoyed it because you don't need to be a Star Wars fan to get into it because it doesn't really Mm. hit that it's Star Wars until like episode four or five, and at that point it's already you know sunk its claws into you. You're just like I'm hooked. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's very well paced. It's very well just like scripted and everything. It's just such a good show. Agreed. Cool. Uh, all right, shall we do 90s film of the week? Let's do it. Are you making you... your own sound effect or am I adding it again? Did you find it? I did. Okay, then. Yeah, I'm pretty you sure you played it. I have listened to it. I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I, did, I did find it. I, I uh, opened my laptop and went through like, 15 podcasts behind to find it. I, I admire your commitment to the bit. It really, it, it saves my throat a, a whole lot of work. And yeah, I'm going to play it. right about now. The 90s film of the week. So just to carry on from um, last week's, kind of, we're going to go teen again. Teeny kind of film. I'm hoping... Hoping, I reckon people are going to like this one. It's uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, 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 okay. Came out in 1999. Got big old uh, Heath Ledger. Uh, Joseph Gordon, love it. Live it. Live it. Julia Styles. Now, there is an actress you don't see anymore. Oh, no, you know what it is, Zach? Joseph Gordon, love it, Murray. <laughs> I wish. Um, <laughs> and then Larissa Oli Olenek, uh, who I'm going to admit uh, that I had a huge crush on when I was much, much younger. I, I'm uh, going to clip this and send it to her. From when she played Alex Mack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my heart. 
But um, yeah, so this film came out in 1999 and uh, yeah, it's like kind of like two... Two sets of couples, I guess. Uh, you've got the bad boy Heath and the. Um, how would you explain Julia Stiles' character in this film? I've um, never seen it, so I can't help. Right, like it's been a long time since I've seen highly, it. Highly, highly wound. If that's you know, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you know, he's you know very free and a bit of a bad boy, and she's kind of stuck up's the wrong word, but like, yeah, she's just. Very very tightly around, and then you got little hopeless romantic Joseph and uh, the younger sister Larissa. But um, yeah, that came out nine nine nine. I have gone out of the thing where I had the scores on Dirty Rotten's. It is seventy seventy one percent, and you can watch it on Disney Plus now, and you can rent it on YouTube and Apple TV. Nice. James, I was sure that you would have. Yeah, normally that's something I should have seen. Uh, just, I don't know, one of my little black holes. What a, what a man that Heath Ledger was. What a, what a sad... He was. A sad yeah. ending to that story. What's your favourite Heath Ledger film? Oh, Dark Knight, obviously. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't realize it was so I, I love A Knight's Tale. <laughs> Love, that was um, okay. That was okay. Oh, is that is that the one I was thinking of? The one where he's the does that the jousting or some shit? Yes, the all jousting side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Heath Ledger, eh? Yep. 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 All right. Good stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. James, have you got any uh, off topics? Uh, I, I do, but again, I just want to save it for Nathan. A lot of the stuff I consumed <laughs> over the past week is very Nathan adjacent media. So, <laughs> well, Anime I'll, I'll, of some degree, oh, it's a horror movie. We'll get there. Oh. I, I, I do have one off topic that's slightly a rant. So, uh, I have a razor mouse and the little wireless dongle died. So I went to the website and the normal replacement for it was out of stock. I was like, okay. So they had like this super like duper like 4k polling rate version of it. I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'll take it. I hate using my mouse as a, uh, a wired mouse. It gets here after I spent like almost $70 getting it here for a dongle. Um, I plug it in and it goes near firmware update. I go, you know what? All right, cool. I download the firmware uh, updater and then it goes, okay, now plug in the original dongle. And I'm like, how am I supposed to update this then? Because that dongle doesn't work and there's no option to update the firmware with the mouse freaking plugged in. It's so stupid. So now I've got a dongle that I can't use and a freaking wireless mouse that has to be plugged in the whole time. That makes... That's very which, which mouse was it? Which wireless mouse was it? Uh, it's the Razer Viper Pro version 2. Oh, that's your first problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're all right. They're all right. Honestly, everything else about the mouse has been good. Like all my Steel Series mouse I've had uh, have just... You know, kind of died, and then Logitech just has awful, awful switches. So I just like, mm. yeah. I don't have those switches, eh? I got a HyperX one that just, just you know, th- Todd Howard's mate, just works. I think I've been using the same Alienware. No, it's a Razer. Okay, I've been using the same Razer mouse for about five years now. That's my contribution to this. Yeah, see, this is yeah. why me and James get along because we both use Razer mice. Hmm. Mm. 
My mm. first gaming mouse was a Razer mouse. We'll say that. Oh. Cool. All right, let's wrap it up there. We will. Yeah, I think no one's got anything else to say. I, I'm just. I was just glad to be back. It was it's, nice to have you back. It's, yeah, yeah, this has it's been, been fun. a pleasure. Thank you. Have you on Mark? Also, you too, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'll you're uh, feeling much better now, and we'll see oh, more of you. Yeah, I'll make an effort to be on more. That's good. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Well Played DLC podcast. You can check out the content on www.well-play.com.au. Mark's got his Kirby review. James has got an Atomic Heart review up there. Jordan's review for Elderland. Is that how you say it? Elderand. Elderand. Um, and yeah, cool. Have a good weekend and we will see you next week. We've also got a new episode uh, recap of The Last of Us, episode six. So that'll be up now. You can go check that out if you're listening. Sorry, if you're watching the show. Mm. Spoilers, a... I didn't hate it. So you've got that to Whoa. look forward to. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Have a good one. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. You too, Bye. Zach. <laughs>